Oh, hello. Hello. Welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tamina Hall, but for ghosts. But for the ghosts. How are you? I am. I'm well. I'm doing well. It's a relatively cool day. <laughs> relatively being operative, honestly. Well, I, think the last, I think the last time we recorded our, our last session, it was just like degrees. a thousand degrees. I was eating blueberries. That's right. Which I edited that episode last night. I was like, oh, this is the infamous Adam eats blueberries on air. And I Could you really- hear the blueberries? Oh, so much. Really? They the, were squishy. You didn't hear the blueberries, but you heard me doing, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I was leading the episode eating blueberries. So, like, right. there's a lot. You, the listener, may not have heard it as much mm. because I edited so much of my <laughs> of my eating blueberries in my mouth. It was just a really hot day, and the blueberries was keeping it was, us. It was, it was keeping us cool yeah. on a on a on a hot day. But now it's just muggy and not as hot, which is nice. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a little moogie, but um, also blustery. It looks like is it going to pour again? I don't know, it rained earlier. It did rain earlier. And this is where people sign on for the podcast. The weather, like, the weather. How is forecast. it weathering how is it weathering a few weeks ago? Because that's what <laughs> I mean. <laughs> what was the weather like in early August? Well yes, now that they can while, ah, yes. while I listen to this in September. <laughs> like, oh yes, well. August. I do remember August's weather in New York. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, everyone. We're we're so excited to uh to get on into it today. Uh, a lot of fun stuff happening on the pod. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell everyone to uh to head on over to our merch page yes uh for some t-shirts we have uh, a lovely little little batch of t-shirts on below the collar.com slash ny mystery machine i always tell people i know that like when you buy t-shirts from from places so often the t-shirts are decent enough quality and within like a year or two they're faded galore i tell you i stand by these t-shirts this company is their t-shirt is the best on on demand printing service that you're going to find um so be sure to head on over to below the collar.com slash ny mystery machine we have some fun shirts we have the it's worth noting it's worth noting t-shirt that we really seem to enjoy which i think i may put that into i may i may make a sticker out of that because i like it so much I would, I, I would, and I don't need another sticker with our logo on it. So right, no, no, I, I would love that sticker. So I may make that sticker as uh, a sellable and as a exclusive. Oh. Speaking of exclu- exclusive, how do you get exclusive stuff for not having to purchase it? Well, you can do that by jumping on our Patreon. I mean, they're technically purchasing it. Yes, that's true. You purchased <laughs> it in addition Through, to a, a wealth of other things. There you go. That's true. That is. You're not just purchasing true. it for that. You're purchasing it for what else? You're purchasing it for uh, a, a exclusive episode that's every true. month. One brand new episode that only our patrons at the five dollars or more level gets to listen to. You, you get to vote on some episodes uh, a few times a year. Uh, you can get a, a sandwich recipe. I mean, who doesn't want a sandwich? You get so recipe? many things. That's on our Patreon. A themed sandwich recipe, and honestly. The, and the only way to do that is head on over to Patreon.com/slash NY Mystery Machine. And here's the thing, you guys. I've been saying it. We we are we need new equipment. It's happening. It's going down. Um, we're about to take a little bit of a recording hiatus, as you guys know. Christina has already had a baby. Yep. As we're recording this, she hasn't. <laughs> but but by the time you're listening, she's, she's out ha- in the world. She's had a baby already. And so um, while Christina is on maternity leave, um, Adam's job is to kind of regroup the pod and, and, and kind of fill in some blanks of equipment that we need. Um, that being a new head new headphones because these headphones the infamous. I, I can't hear out of the right side anymore. Um, Does that mean that I sound less like... No, it's sure. all coming hard in the left. <laughs> it's hard in the left. 
Um, we need some new microphones uh, and some microphone stands to go with that. We do have an amazing little new uh, sound mixer that we got thanks to our patrons last season. So that's something we don't need to get. So that's pretty exciting. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, over the early fall. I'm going to be really working on getting some new equipment for the show. You guys won't know any difference because that's- you're going to have p- episodes from now until Christmas. That's true. With no delay. So don't worry. About, don't, don't you worry. Don't you, panic. Don't you worry, little heart. Stop panicking. Stop panicking. I know people are like, and that's why we, that's why we didn't tell you that Christina was pregnant. Right. Because we were worried. There was going to be riots. That there's going to be I, I refuse. I refuse for you guys to go on any sort of hiatus. Well, we're not. We're not even going yeah. on hiatus. No. We just spent all of our summer double timing recordings <laughs> and spending five hour sessions banging out episodes that we didn't have to go on a hiatus. So you're welcome. We did it for you. So if you can do something for us and that is give us some money so we can get new equipment. Um, as always, you know, we, 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 if you can't, Money's tight for a lot of people. Money's tight for me. I get it. If you can't give us any money, a great way to support the pod is to head on over to our socials. Head on over to our Apple Podcast page and drop us five stars and a review. The reviews are so important. Uh, They really do help. I I know I say this like at nauseum, but the reviews and the ratings actually do help the the podcast be seen and recommended when you're- The algorithm. Yeah, the algorithm picks that up. So if you can do that for us, it is the best way to support the pod. Uh, and it literally takes five seconds just to throw some stars and throw a few words up there. We really appreciate it. If you're on Spotify, there's no way to review us, but you can rate us five stars as well. It also helps. Uh, and wherever you listen to, if there's a way to have a rating and review, and we really appreciate it. It really goes such a long way. Um, and if you leave us a really great review, we'll 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 say it on air. We'll tell people about it, and we'll send you a sticker just yeah. for, as a thank you because we really are so appreciative of all of that. So t-shirts, Patreon, uh, rating and reviews. I think that's. I think that covers it. I think that covers it. Pretty sure that covers it. That covers it. Yeah, I feel good about it. I feel good. I feel ready to ask you, Christina. I'm ready. Where are we today? Today, we're once again in Manhattan. Manhattan. This season, I feel we've been hanging out. We've been hanging out in in New York City proper a bunch. Which is fine with me because we spend a lot of time elsewhere. That's true. We've, you know. Um, and we're also once again in the 1930s. Um, love that. So yeah, height height of height of the Great Depression. Don't love that. Um, and that's integral to the setting. I was trying to think of something punny to say, and nothing came out. Nothing came out. Like it ever ever have a case when you're like, you your brain literally goes to like open your mouth to say words, mm, mm-hmm. but like nothing comes out because your brain didn't actually decide didn't what it wanted. Yeah, didn't say that's what it was. I was like, mm, I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> So we're at the height of the Great Depression. People are homeless and hungry and desperate. Um, and Homeless, hungry, and desperate. Yeah. The, the, trife- the trifecta. I'm just hungry and desperate. <laughs> I have a home. Um, but not depressed. I'm pretty good right now. That's good. It's good to have a check-in <laughs> live on the air. <laughs> you good? I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty okay. My therapist says I'm fine. So, <laughs> so, so she fixed me. I mean- she would know, right? Shout out to BetterHelp. Not a sponsor for some reason. BetterHelp, come on. You know? I literally use you. And also, like, think about all the people who we talk about on this show who could have used I got to reach out to BetterHelp better again. I'm going to reach out to BetterHelp again okay. this afternoon. That could be a sponsor. If you can sponsor Office Ladies, if you can sponsor Taste Buds, you can sponsor, can, the, you can sponsor the New York Mystery Machine. <laughs> My word. <laughs> I would do a killer commercial <laughs> for for better help. It'd be like I think you are doing one. I know. This would just be me. Be just, like, just do the demo you guys, now. Do the demo now. You guys know that I'm a mess. 
And if you listen to the show for the last couple of years, you probably said to yourself, Adam seems a little less of a mess. Better help. That, that'd be my commercial. It's a great commercial. Great. And then I, I talk think, more about the tales. I think we should just splice that into today's commercials <laughs> just to like get it out there. Just get it out there. Yeah. Like, are you, are you, are you being paid by BetterHelp? No. no but, but we should I believe be. in it. I believe in it. <laughs> Social teas and BetterHelp. Come through. There you go. <laughs> um, so imagine this. You're some guy talking with his friends about your Great Depression woes. It's late 1932, around July, and it's hot out. And you're having some drinks with some friends. And if you're wondering how you're having these drinks with friends during Prohibition, it's because one of you owns a speakeasy. Money is scarce. Food costs are high. No relief on the horizon, et cetera, et cetera. Sounds like 2023, am I right? Uh, anyway, you're trying to come up with some get-rich-quick schemes. What would you consider, Adam? During the depression, yeah, get rich quick. Yeah, like what? What you're just spitballing here? Did they have means to to get rich quick? Well, that's what they're trying to figure out. Um, I don't know. I would, I would, I don't know. <laughs> like sell material to make a to make a shack in a Hooverville. <laughs> <For> the Hooverville. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I some sort of food situation. I think okay. food is a good situation. I mean, like food Every- was everyone wants to eat. Everyone wants to eat. People weren't eating. I think that's a good way. But I feel that people who actually tried making money off of food were like despicable at this time because people were just right. giving away food. So I don't know. How would you get rich quick during the Great Depression? Well, one of your friends is a guy by the name of Tony Marino. And Tony Marino. Hey, Tony. Tony. Tony says, you're thinking about this all wrong. That's what Tony said to me. Yeah. He says, fuck you, Tony. (laughs) Why do we even hang out? How dare you? (laughs) We've been through this. I'm not the idea, man. (laughs) Don't ask me what I would want to do to get rich quick. If you already have something, (laughs) just tell me what your theory is and I'll see if I'm on board. Well, when when you've when you've backed off of Tony, because Tony probably gave you a look, and I don't know, Tony Marino sounds like a I'm sorry, scary. Tony. Tony, I'm de- it's a great depression. I'm a little depressed. Well, yeah, I probably should just like sign up for some better help. <laughs> See, that's how we do it. <laughs> that's how we do it. That's how we would do it. This show has gone off the rails. <laughs> not not even this ep- certainly this episode, but yeah, this, this, ep- show, this show as a whole as a whole is off the rails. Off the rails. Um, well, <laughs> Tony turns to you and says, insurance money. That, that's how you do it. Oh. Now, we've covered insurance scandals before. So, like, there was the, indouble, the double indemnity case last season uh, with Ruth Snyder, who murdered her husband and staged a break-in. But this plan is a little bit different. Tony Marino says, I got this. I've done this before. And apparently, Tony has taken out some insurance policies on a homeless woman and then listed himself as a beneficiary. Then, oh God, Tony! And then he Tony. forced alcohol on her. Tony took off her clothes, put her on a mattress by an open window, covered her mattress in cold water. The woman died, and the coroner said it was due to bronchial pneumonia. I want to say something before we go on. Mm. Christina opened this scenario saying that your friend Tony's not my friend. <laughs> He's not my friend. I would not be friends with Tony. No, 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 no. no. He sounds nefarious. Yes, everyone will be nefarious today. Um, we're just trying to place you in the 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 emotional moment. The emotional moment is I'm disappointed in Tony. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you, Tony. You should get some help. Maybe a better help. Well, Tony made off with $2,000 from this, which at the time was like around 36000 Wow. So Tony's feeling pretty confident in this. So then they start talking about, all right, but who are we going to pick if we're going to do this like as a group? Um, 
so how how do you go about picking your victim how would you pick a victim at <laughs> this sounds like a trick question this is how i got like <laughs> someone's if i'm ever arrested someone's gonna listen to this episode like, be like he said they said it they said it literally a couple times um i don't know you you find oh the homeless person who looks the most homeless yeah who has no one around them yep like isolated homeless people yeah oh god that's the basic idea the idea here was to find a reasonable way to kill someone who won't be missed by anybody <sighs> in such a way that it looks like an accident natural causes bad luck etc so in the case of today's uh group uh who the newspapers would later dub the bronx murder trust um this is exactly what they do. So just for the record, the Bronx Murder Trust makes up uh, was made up of Frank Pasqua, an undertaker, Anthony Tony Marino, the speakeasy operator, and Adam's dear close friend. Uh, not my friend. <laughs> He's not my friend, you guys. We literally we had drinks once because my friend brought him with us, but he was not my friend. <laughs> Don't like Tony. Joseph Murphy, a bartender, and Daniel Kreisberg, a fruit monger. And they decided to go for a guy named Mike Malloy, who would eventually be termed Iron Mike or Iron Man for reasons you will soon learn. Um, he's also been referred to as Rasputin of the Bronx. If you know anything about Rasputin. Oh, my God. I you, can't wait for the story. Yeah, you might you might get a little bit of a sense as to where we're going with this. So Mike Malloy was an Irish immigrant from County Donegal. That has to be the name of the episode, by the way. Rasputin of the Bronx. Iron Mike, oh. whatever his name is, the Rasputin of the Bronx. Yes. That is a Ooh, there's name. a colon in there. Adam's letting me have a colon, You have guys. a colon. <gasps> yes. You have a colon. I use a couple of colons this season. I know, already. I noticed. I didn't want to point it out lest you stop. It should be noted that my colon, it's not worth it. It just hmm. should be, that my colons are still contained. Like the sentences aren't like three lines long. That's all I want to say about that. Let the listener know that Christina's making eyes and rolling them. Because uh, <laughs> you can't see it, but you should know it. So, <laughs> Mike Malloy, Irish immigrant from County Donegal, arrives in New York sometime in the 1920s or so. It seems that he was a firefighter at some point, a stationary engineer at another. Um, but by January of 1933, he was homeless and struggling with an alcohol addiction. He was about 40, though most people seem to have assumed he was much older. Um, so I guess he was a very rough 40. Mm. Um, and he was often seen doing odd jobs, like sweeping alleys or dealing with garbage. And he would take payment in kind, specifically in alcohol. As far as anyone knew, he didn't have a family, no wife or kids or parents, and certainly none on this side of the Atlantic. And he didn't have, seem to have that many friends either. So per one eventual report, he was part of the, quote, flotsam and jetsam in the swift undercurrent of underworld speakeasy life. Those no longer responsible derelicts who stumble through the last days of their lives in a continual haze of Bowery smoke. Um, and quick note to Bene. Um, I think this... Not Bene. Not the Bene. That's Tony for you. Um, <laughs> I think this refers to uh, Bowery smoke shops. So smoke, per the Daily News article I mentioned earlier, was a, quote, cloudy mixture of water and impure alcohol. And it was rot gut even by prohibition standards. Mm. But for a couple of drinks at a dime a shot, one could stay in the smoke shop all night. Um, unquote. Um, so that's that's what Bowery smoke is. Learn something new. Learn something new. So first thing was first. When's prohibition? Are we in prohibition right now? Yeah, we are in prohibition. That's why um, your friend Tony has a speakeasy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, again, not my friend. It's a, again, it's not my friend. I don't know Tony. We got burgers once. 
it keeps changing. Had a drink with a friend. He had burgers. Which was it, Adam? <laughs> first things first, you got to take out life insurance. So so he takes out life insurance on the homeless man. Yeah. Frank Pasqua is going to volunteer to do this. One of your other friends in this little group of murderers. Expl- do, do they know the, Do they know Iron Mike yet? I think he's been visiting the frequent the the frequency the speakeasy. He's been frequenting the speakeasy, so like he's a known entity. They see him in alleyways doing odd jobs. They kind of are aware of him peripherally, but they're not friends. At this point in the game, you are allowed to take a life insurance policy on someone who is not you, or if you pretend to be that person. Well, is that what it is? That's where we're going. Jumping on this, jumping on this. I feel like I'm you <laughs> during an episode, just revealing the whole episode as we start. So Frank Pasqua gets an acquaintance to meet with some insurance agents. The acquaintance claims his name was Nicholas Millery and said that he was a florist, um, which was convenient because then Frank could have his colleagues confirm um, that, you know, yeah, totally. He's our florist because Frank, remember, is an undertaker and who knows more florists than undertakers. Joseph Murphy, our bartender, claimed to be the next of kin and was listed as beneficiary of the fictitious Nicholas Millery. Now, it took about five months for this part to come together. Uh, this is a real slow burn of a of a con. Um, but in the end, uh, he was able to take out one policy for $800 for Metropolitan Life and two from Prudential for $494. For the record, Prudential is the same company that Ruth Snyder worked with in 1927, so they really got to get it together. Get your shit together, Prudential. <laughs> together, those policies come to um, $1,788 or roughly... 31000 today. Mm. Um, uh, and just for further clarifications, like how much they're getting out of this, a pack of cigarettes at the time was 13 cents and a carton was $1.19. So that, that 1788 goes a long way. Now, what, if anything, Adam, do you remember about double indemnity from the Ruth Snyder case? That's a rough question to ask because I didn't remember, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I don't That's fair. So basically, we've already covered on the show. I have a hard time remembering <laughs> things from season one or two of the show. My brain just stops working. Stops working. Um, so double indemnity uh, says, you know, it, it's when an insurance policy becomes worth twice as much if a death is ruled accidental or death by misadventure, and misadventure just means an accidental death caused by a voluntarily taken risk. So basically if our Bronx murder trust plays their cards, right, they're looking at $60,000 to be split between them in today's money. Mm. So we already mentioned that Mike, you know, this iron Mike was suffering from alcohol addiction and would even accept payment in the form of alcohol. So the easy thing they figured would be to find a way to bump off Mike Malloy with alcohol get the insurance companies to accept him as Nicholas Mellory and they'd be home clear. So according to some stats, New York had about 780 deaths attributed to alcohol poisoning annually from 1928 to 1932. So it wouldn't be a manner of death that would really cause suspicion or raise too many alarm bells. And again, Mike Malloy, known entity around bars and speakeasies. So Tony Marino has a speakeasy. This is perfect. The group begins to befriend Mike and they start to get a little buddy-buddy with him. And Tony tells him that he, Mike, is welcome at his, Tony's, speakeasy anytime at all. In fact, he could have an open-ended tab. He said it was a new strategy he was trying to get ahead of some of the other speakeasy competition. 
And so Mike was delighted and he took advantage of this. He drank and he drank and he drank to his heart's content. And while someone else may have begun to show signs of poisoning or being affected by the sheer amount of alcohol being consumed, not Mike. He eventually had enough, got up, left the bar, said he'd be back. And he was back the very next night. Oh, boy. Rinse and repeat. There's um, a song by a, a band that I, I I do love. They're called Gaelic Storm. They're actually um, the steerage band in the movie The Titanic. Um, anyway, they've got a song that if uh, I can find the right 10 seconds, we will insert here. Can't wait. Here is the song. No all the serious boozers, they were soon broken hearted When Johnny finished off six, and he was only getting started Guzzling down the pints, and knocking them back like candy He was looking all right to be drinking all night Then Nora brought out the brandy, Johnny Tarr And even if you sold it yourself, you wouldn't believe it But I wouldn't Ooh! <laughs> that was the song That was the song <laughs> So this went on for three days um, and by day four, Tony's starting to get a little bit annoyed that Mike just will not die like he was supposed to. So Joe Murphy, the bartender, suggests that they start serving Mike wood alcohol. Oh, God. What's wood alcohol? So it's what it sounds like. You're fermenting wood or sawdust. Oh. Now, if your drink contained 4% wood alcohol, you run the risk of going blind. Yeah. More than that, and you die. Yeah. By 1929, 50,000 people in the U.S. had died from the effects of this. So, I've never heard of this. Right? Wild. Until this day. And I wonder if it has something to do, and I, I didn't, I'm surmising now, I didn't get to this in my research, but I imagine that it has something to do with probably cutting, like, other alcohol with this in order sure. to, like, have more to go around during Prohibition. I don't know. But... They have this great idea that rather than serving like gin and whiskey and whatever else, cut with wood alcohol, they decided to just cut to the chase and serve it to Mike straight. No whiskey, no gin, no Saint Germain, all wood alcohol all the time. Oh, my God. What do you think happened? Well, what should happen is he should go blind. Right. Or, or and die. or die. What didn't happen is he didn't go blind and or die. Correct. Mike was totally 100% fine. Took it like a champ. According to the New York Evening Post, quote, he didn't know what he was drinking was wood alcohol. And what he didn't know apparently didn't hurt him. He drank all the wood alcohol he was given and came back for more. (laughs) Give me more of that wood alcohol. Wild. That's insane. So this went on for several nights. Again, they're just giving him straight. Wood alcohol. And I don't want to be that that person, but he's also homeless and probably hungry. So he's probably not having a lot more in his body except yeah. for this wood alcohol. Right. And he's just totally, totally fine. His, his body is just like, this is great. Well, we've had nothing hit, in hit it. Hit me again. It's, it's insane. Um, and there was one night after several nights of this where they thought that they had succeeded finally. Mike Malloy apparently fell to the floor. His breath was slow and difficult and the group hovered around him and watched and waited and then Mike Malloy began to snore oh my god and he woke up a few hours later and reportedly said give me some of the old regular me lad was he Irish yeah he's from County Donegal oh you said this already um I'm sorry let me do this again he woke up a few hours later and reportedly said give me some of the old regular me lad there it is now I know now you know I was so confused before and I was like oh I don't he didn't sound Irish. Right. Here we go. There we go. He didn't sound offensively Irish. <laughs> now he does. 
<laughs> so wood alcohol is out. Alcohol, alcohol also out. Neither of those are working. Meanwhile, the group is actively losing money buying wood alcohol from paint shops and not getting paid for the open and inexhaustible tab on actual alcohol. Like, what a crazy <laughs> turn of events. Right. Like, we are broke now. We are never. Somehow, some way. We're lucky if we break even. <laughs> We're so broke. And don't forget, they're also paying the insurance premiums while they wait for Mike to die. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, terrible plan. So apparently, Tony Marino kept suggesting that they just shoot him. And I guess the others were reluctant because they really wanted that double indemnity, you know, clause to take effect. So the next plan was to try to kill him via seafood. Like you said, Mike Molloy's probably not getting a whole lot of yeah. food. Um, and apparently Mike Molloy loved seafood. So Pasqua, the undertaker, suggested that they soak some oysters in denatured alcohol for a few days, let them rot, and then feed them to Molloy oh while he was drinking. These guys are awful. And they figured that the resulting indigestion would be so severe that, you know, he would just die. So they did this. And no one wants to die of severe indigestion. No, that's terrible. There are many days where I'm like, I think I may die of the severe indigestion. Right. Uh, Well, Mike Malloy enjoyed himself thoroughly, went about with his usual life in as good as health as he had ever been, took no effect. So they said, okay. The oysters didn't do it. How about a spoiled sardine sandwich? Oh, no. Oh, no. So they take a tin of sardines and they let it rot. And after rotting for several days, (sighs) wait for it. They mixed in metal shards and tacks, spread it on some bread, gave him a sandwich. He was like, okay. This has to do it. This has to do it. You're not supposed to eat metal. Uh, <laughs> metal can puncture organs, right? It can, it can cause internal bleeding. All the things. There's so many things Plus, wrong with this sandwich. if somehow those tacks go down without a hitch, the sardines are spoiled. Is it a, is it, is it a bad idea to make a sandwich for the month based on this thing, but no metal? <laughs> but like, we'll pretend it is... No, I think that's exactly what we have to do. Great. Well, Christian, get ready, get ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they 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 feed it to him. And Mike Malloy eats it, and he says, "This is delicious." Oh God! Can I have another? Oh my God! They fed him another, and he was fine. So his poor insides, though. I can't. Right? You would think, but. He's not in hot pain. Take, hot take. He's an alien. Ooh. He's just an alien. Take. This is no way he's a human being. That's a, gr- yeah. He's an alien. There's no way this person's human. He should not be alive. No, there's there, there's no, re- there's, yes, I agree with this. <laughs> 100%. This does not make any sense. I mean, you, I've accepted everything until shards of metal. It's when you lost me as yeah, yeah. this person. They not put human. shrapnel in the sandwich like, and he was like, yeah, delicious. A human being will not be alive for this. So if they're still not going to shoot him, because Tony keeps being like, let's just, can we just shoot him? Um, why, do they want to sh- why don't they want to shoot him? Because then it'll be clear that it's not an act of misadventure. It's not just an accident. It's not a risk that was voluntarily taken that ended badly and they won't get double indemnity. They really want. And double indemnity for it it doubles yeah, the amount. Yeah. But um, what makes it double indemnity? An accident or like basically it's a clause that can be added to the insurance that says that if the person dies by misadventure, which is like So if you're a klutz, you should get a clause added to your life insurance so that the people get double double because you kinda know what your future's right. gonna be like. Or if you're taking a voluntary risk that ends badly, like 
I'm going to do the Peace Corps. Yeah, right? that probably would work. That would work. What I'm on the Peace Corps. Don't take advice from me. I'd, but I'm, you know. I'm going to the to the to the jungle. I'm going to the yeah. rainforest to study the the mating habits of the toucan. Exactly. That's something you probably should take a double identity thing because yeah. there's a good chance that you can die in the rainforest. Right. But if it's murder, that doesn't count. There it is. We're all learning on We're the show. Learning. Even though we've learned this on the show already. Um. So. Tony says, why don't we just try what's worked before? Why are we trying to reinvent the wheel? If it's not broke, don't fix it. We'll freeze him to death the way I froze that lady that one time. That's what Tony said. <laughs> we'll freeze him to death the way I froze that lady that one time. <laughs> so they get Malloy unconscious. I'm not sure how. I'm assuming from drinking. They get him unconscious, which is an odd situation. I don't know what, what he would have done to become unconscious. Uh, not, a, not a clue. And they drive to Cretona Park in the Bronx and they carry him through the snow and they put him on a park bench and they take his clothes and they dump water on his chest and head and they leave him there. Death by frosty exposure. Which, you know, totally seems like an accident. Right. <laughs> These guys are fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird. weird. They find this guy. It, I don't know how this ends yet. So but I'm, in this scenario. If he does die, they find this guy on a park bench, naked, covered in additional water. Yeah, no, this was a totally sane thing totally, this person chose totally to do. Totally sane thing. That would not be double indemnity. That's murder. <laughs> Most foul. I mean, I guess if they find the the level of alcohol in his blood, maybe they'll be like, well. Oh, he was just a drunk fool. Yeah. I guess. Maybe that's the angle they're trying to go I with. But these guys. Yeah, they're terrible. Um. But maybe that's a good place to take a pause with that cliffhanger of Iron Mike, <laughs> naked. naked, covered in water, unconscious, on a bench in the snow. While you th- while you listen to our, our messages, be sure that's the visual that you have in your head right now. A naked, drunk, sardine-fold, metal-fold, probably God knows how he smells because mm. of all the things that he's put inside of his body in the last mm-hmm. two days. Just sitting on a park bench, covered in water, getting ready to freeze to death. Think about that. And we'll be right back. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. We are back. We're back. Iron Mike, living up to the name Iron. Living up to the name Iron in both, so many ways. Both both in spirit and will and in what he ingested. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we left Mike naked on the park bench. Not the first time. <laughs> so they they leave him there. They go back home to the bar or whatever go about their lives you're just waiting for confirmation that he's dead to come in somehow um 
didn't think that far in advance. They didn't, yeah, they didn't really like think. somehow. I'm I'm sure we'll find out. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. I'm sure we'll. Well, one of them. One of them is next to Ken. Well. Right. One of them is listed as next to Ken for Nicholas Mellory, the fictitious person they made up that they're going to try to pass off as Iron Mike when Iron Mike finally dies. But Iron Mike might not even have any. This is an ill plan. It's not. How do they connect this man with, this, with these people? Well, great, exactly. Um, Once again, Tony's not my friend. I don't, <laughs> I don't mess with people who are this dumb, let alone murderous. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the hierarchy there. No one <laughs> this dumb, because at least if you're going to murder someone and be my friend, at least like be smart about it. Like I don't want any tr- dumb, dummy, treachery people. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dumb, treacherous person. Well, to everyone's surprise. Maybe at this point, who knows? He is Iron Man. He walked into the barn the next day. Apparently, hey fellas! <laughs> apparently, he woke up, walked half a mile back to the bar, and complained in his words of a wee chill. So, and you know that was Iron Mike because of that accent. That that very slight accent there for that second. Now we now know he's got the battle. So, so much for tried and true. New idea: run him over. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but there are a few other guys sort of tangentially related to the main, you know, four-ish people of the gang. There's a John McNally. I just love these names. John McNally, Edward Ten-Ear Smith, Tony Bestone, and Joseph Maglione. Anyway, Joseph McNally suggests that they run over Malloy. And Maglione says he's got a friend named Harry Green, who's a cab driver, and would do it for about $150. So they start out as usual. Get... Mike Malloy blackout drunk and then they put him in Green's car they drive a little bit away from the bar drag Malloy into the street and then they race at him two times despite being completely inebriated in a stupor Malloy was able to dodge out of the way and then they would drag him back and place him again round three Harry Green hits Malloy at 50 miles an hour and just to be certain he reversed over him and Malloy wasn't moving. And they were going to go check on him. Just triple check that the guy's actually gone this and time. And he's like, me lads! <laughs> I've got a wee pain! i got a wee pain in me side! Well, another car began to show, like, they, I guess they saw the headlights coming or whatever. And so they made off, but they were feeling really confident that, that this done it, right? Like, cars are two-ton vehicles, like, 50 miles an hour, plus the metal already in his system. Yeah. This, this is going to do it. Um... So Joseph Murphy, the bartender, starts calling morgues and hospitals around the city the next day looking for his brother. Yeah. This is, you know, clearly Joseph um, has been thinking about. Okay, that makes sense. How are we going to connect this? This is a good spin. That's how we make it. Where's my brother? He's been missing. Right. Yada, yada, yada. So he's calling all the morgues, calling all uh, all the hospitals. Nothing. Nobody had any news for him. He looks at all the newspapers days go by nobody's covering any sort of hit and run which also surprised him by day five pasqua the undertaker was trying to pick another person with an alcohol addiction to kill and pass off as mike malloy or for insurance purposes nicholas mellory they're just ready to move on because clearly something went wrong and they can't find the body so they Mm. can't do anything now but instead as they're discussing this in walks mike malloy he's bandaged he's limping but he was alive oh my god this guy he won't die this brings us to February 21st, 1933. The murder trust is at their wit's end. They liquor Malloy up, bring him to a nearby tenement, 
They run a rubber tube from a gaslight into his mouth. Oh my god. Wrap his face in a cloth and they kill him that way. And they actually kill him this time. They've just given up on the double indemnity thing. Yeah, they're, they're like, like there's no way it's hell. happen. Um, Let's cut our losses. They did. Oh, well, I take it back. Actually, they were still trying to pull the double indemnity thing. Basically, suicide isn't double indemnity. Though. Well, they, you lose your life insurance for for suicide. Right. So, technically, Mike Molloy dies of carbon monoxide poisoning. Pasqua, the Undertaker, has a doctor's friend, and this doctor friend, uh, uh, Frank Manzella. Issues a death certificate saying Malloy had died of lobar pneumonia. Mm. So the group still doesn't get their double indemnity, apparently. But they settle for the $800 payout from the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company and split it between them. Pasqua also decides that he's, he's going to push with the Prudential Insurance Office to try to get the rest of the money from those two policies. But a representative asks to see the body, which they weren't expecting. And so Pasqua said that Nicholas Mellory was already buried. And in fact, Mike Molloy had been buried very quickly. Um, so the insurance company began investigating. One newspaper. Um, no. I, I also want to say, you've you've said the phrase Pasqua the Undertaker a lot. And all I think about when you say Pasqua the Undertaker is like the WWE wrestle the Undertaker. But a very <laughs> Italian version of him. I was like, ah, you will have studied in the piece. <laughs> and he's like, instead of wearing a black trench coat, yeah. it's like the Italian flag. It's like green, white, and red. I would absolutely watch and instead the of hell the, out of this. And instead of the, the, the low brim yeah. hat, it's like a like an Italian chef's cap instead. Incredible. Incredible. That's, this is what I want. If someone can draw me the Pasqua, the Undertaker, in the style of the WWE wrestler, the Undertaker, that would be, that would be something that gift. my heart would be so happy about. Please, please, someone do this. Artists of this. the world. <laughs> we need you. It's a me, the Undertaker. <laughs> you will arrest in the pizza. So. And he buries you in pizza. And so when he says rest in the pizza, um, it's in the pizza. Right. It, it's it's literally in the well. My Italian mother loves the show. By the way. <laughs> she loves when I. She loves it so much. Adam. Don't make fun of the Italians like that. We make fun of everyone. We're equal opportunity. We are. You know. Any 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 European is basically I mean any person. Yeah. We we just We just we just go for it. We go for it. Remember the time I made a joke about poor Dorcas's name? <laughs> His name is Dorcas. Thank you. You yelled at me at the time. No, I didn't. You did. Roll the oh, tape back. Go back. When I made funny about Dorcas? Yes, her name was Dorcas, but then she became Helen. Well, yeah. I think that was Helen Jewett. Yeah, and I was like, good call changing your name because your name was Dorcas. Roll the tape! This is the part in the, in the, in the episode where I'm going to like go back to an episode and roll the tape. Excellent. <laughs> or I won't. Or you won't. <laughs> we'll just go. Who knows? If, it's on, if, this is, if this is me listening to this on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, but who, knows? who knows? So Prudential Life Insurance was suspicious. He was, they were like, why was he buried so quickly? It's only been a couple, like, this is too fast. Um, we're not making the payout. The, t the tangential people, like the cabbie who tried unsuccessfully to kill Mike by running him over, did not get what they were promised, or at least the amount that they were promised, and they began to complain very loudly. Yeah. Other people start hearing these complaints, rumors start, and soon the whole of the Bronx was abuzz with stories of Mike and how he absolutely stubbornly refused to die. 
Now, eventually, the rumor made its way to some beat cops who told a homicide detective, who told the Bronx DA, who ordered an investigation. Yeah. So by May 12th, this is like almost a full year since they started Started trying to kill this person. The DA announced that Marino, Pasqua, Murphy, Kreisberg, and Green, the cab driver, would go before a grand jury. The grand jury listened to 20 witnesses over the course of five days and indicted all five individuals with first-degree murder. Green managed to eventually dodge this in the end by taking a plea deal, first-degree murder in exchange for an assault charge and a 10-year sentence. And as part of that deal, he would testify against the others. October 1933, the murder trust four would be put on trial. Between May and October, Mike's body was exhumed from the potter's field where it was buried. Forensic investigators, which was a new burgeoning profession at the time, because the, uh, the field of forensics was itself just really becoming a science and field of medical study, they exhumed the body and studied it at Bellevue. Like, what the fuck did what you do fuck? to this person's stomach? Why are there shards of metal? This person's there? stomach is fucked. <laughs> At the time, scientists were still trying to determine how much carbon monoxide was needed to kill someone. Um, and they were becoming very suspicious. That was much lower than they originally anticipated. Mm. So even after several months of internment, Mike Malloy's blood was found to be 70% saturated with carbon monoxide. And his heart and lungs were also stained to bright red, which apparently is another... They just like overdid it. They were like, I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> Give him all the carbon monoxide that we have. Pretty much. Pretty much exactly what happened. So on October 19th, 1933, the Murder Trust Four were convicted of first-degree murder, and they were sentenced to death by electric chair at Sing Sing. The date Gotta was... Gotta Sing Sing! That's a producer's reference that I've made, I think, twice on the show I before. Think, I think any time that we brought up Sing Sing. You gotta Sing Sing. Uh, the date was set for June 3rd, 1934. Now, unto this point, most of what I have been using for this episode comes from some newspaper articles, a Smithsonian article about the whole affair and a book called the poisoner's handbook murder and the birth of forensic medicine in jazz age, New York by Deborah Blum. You'd love that title. I really do. You would have named that title. It's a great title. Um, now I had some, some trouble locating coverage of the actual trial in a lot of the newspapers, but I do have some doozies of newspaper clippings from the post-conviction period. So would you do us the honors, Adam? Would you read this from the Daily News on October 28th, 1933? Here we go. <laughs> here I was worried that I wasn't going to read anything I know. Today. Almost, almost made it to the end without one. Oh, but here it goes. How to kill a man gracefully. The Bronx Murder Trust, not incorporated. Thank you for noting that. Yeah. It's not incorporated, you not guys. Incorporated. It's not incorporated. Never got that far. The Bronx, you couldn't even get the life insurance, <laughs> right? The Bronx Murder Trust, not incorporated, made a business of collecting life insurance, but they picked a tough customer, an Iron, Mike, an Iron Man, Mike Malloy. The trust fed him enough liquor to kill an elephant. Mike got fat. They ran him over in a car, but Mike was just shaken up. They tried wood alcohol. And he liked the brand. Sandwiches with ground-up tin came next. And he thought them appetizing. They tried to freeze him to death. But he didn't freeze. The frantic murder trust then went too far. Mike died. And four members of the trust have been connected to his murder. Don't miss When Justice Triumphed by Peter Levins. Sunday News. Tomorrow. Don't you wish you could find a recording of whatever that news bulletin is? Yes. I would, I would, oh, I would kill. I would kill! 
Um, don't don't do it with the with the with the murder trusts. Absolutely not. They are not. They're not incorporated, which is their first problem. First problem. They can get an incorporation. If you can't get your trust incorporated, maybe because they called murder trust. <laughs> like maybe we should think of a better name for our for our group of fucking murderers. <laughs> so, Mar- Mar- how did you guys know it was us? Well, first off, you guys. We went down to the office. We, we read we, yeah. your name that you've been putting on business cards. and it's, it's, It says murder trust. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> what did you think we were going to think? <laughs> it's murder trust. Was murder incorporated already taken? It was, it was. actually. It, it was. was. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> In the season, that is. <laughs> so Marino, Kreisberg, and Pasqua. The Undertaker. Are executed. It's a me, the Undertaker. <laughs> June 7th, 1934. Oh, no. And. <laughs> <laughs> I will arrest an abyss. <laughs> in a pizza. In a pizza. And Murphy was executed in July 1934. And the words of one newspaper Mike had found immortality. Oh, my. That's the story. A standing ovation for Iron Mike. (laughs) Iron Mike. The guy who would not die. Bronx Rasputin. Good on him. Poor, poor fella. But good on him. One newspaper um, said that the last few months of his life were probably some of his best. He was wined and dined. Yeah. I mean, like. By a bunch of people he thought were his friends. What a way to go. Just probably had a pretty happy life, except for like asphyxiating and whatnot. Right. But even then. He was unconscious. He was unconscious when it happened. Iron Mike, Iron legendary. Mike. The next time I have a parody song, you'll be you'll you'll, you'll be, be featured in, in it <laughs> and in history. I can't believe I've never heard about Iron Mike. Right? What a story! This has been one of my favorite episodes <laughs> in three seasons. What a joy! I'm delighted. I mean, it's sad because he got murdered. Oh, it's and awful. But but also just his determination. He sheer determination to, to not, not die. die. Is there not a movie about this man? Right? I, I would I would watch the hell out of that I'd movie. I'd watch the hell out of that movie. Well, there you go. If you guys have any thoughts on Iron Mike and how his body refused to die, we'd love to hear them. Um, as crazy as they may be. I think he's an alien. I was going to say, do you think he's an alien? I just don't know. what. How else? I don't yeah. know how else. I don't know how else. I or got like, nothing. Or like a super soldier. A superhuman. Yeah. Something. I don't know. Send us your theories. Send us your theories. And if anyone's a medical professional out there, really, please send us your theories. Yeah, right. Medical professionals. How did this occur? How did Mike not arrest in the peace? Um, thanks to Pasquale, the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the way my mom would describe one of the Undertakers of the neighborhood. Oh, it's Pasquale, the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Pasquale the Undertaker. Because, like, I'm not sure about your neighborhoods, folks, but certainly in Williamsburg, so many people were, like, first name and their... And, yeah. And what they did for a living. Or my favorite There is, was, like, a guy named Joey Pizza, because he made pizza. My other favorite are just, like, descriptors of, like, what they wear. My grandmother would always say, you know, um, in church, and and with the Matia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the Matia. Yeah, we had Mario the Butcher, uh-huh. who just who just retired. I'm so sad about yeah. that, by the way. Yeah, so I sad. just learned. Yeah. Mario the Butcher. We had Sally Pizza. We had, uh, yeah, it was Sally Pizza. I'm sorry, but Sally Pizza. Um, you know, someone, the, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> as always, we invite you to uh, make sure to follow us on our socials at NY Mystery Machine on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NY Mysteries on X because it's not Twitter anymore. Oh, that's right. So stupid. So uh, it's so dumb, but we're there still until we're not. Um, <laughs> follow us there. If you have any uh, questions or stories, as always, we're always looking for your own personal ghost stories, things that happen to you. If you ever find yourself, um, you know, with nothing to do on a day, you want to write us, uh, tell us what happened, shoot us an email, uh, machine at gmail.com. Let us know your ghost stories. Let us know your mysteries. Let us know things that crazy things that happened to you. Aliens, Bigfeet, all the things. Bigfoots, Bigfeets. Speaking of that, new shirt coming out. Get ready for it. All about Bigfoot. All these fun things. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, I feel energetic today. You that, know? That, that episode really, like... Revived you the way Iron Mike kept The way Iron Mike Reviving was himself. In his spirit. Well, I've been Adam Mace. I'm Christina Marnelli. And thank you for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammy Hall, but for ghosts. <laughs> <laughs>